And what Jordan was was literally Nietzsche on the basketball court. <laughs> like he he is speaking of hot takes. Yeah, he is pure will. to post the name and supposedly even saying this name could get this podcast taken down. So try posting the name Eric Ciaramella. Just as a status update? Yeah, so E-I-E-R-I-C. Capitalize it just to be safe here. Yeah, E-R-I-C space C-I-A, funnily enough, R-A... M E L L A and try posting that. I don't want to do this on my you, you can delete it. On my actual account. Let me do this on my other account. So I I'll while you're pulling up the other thing, I'll explain what this is. So Tim Poole just appeared on Rogan. And <laughs> and um he there apparently, you know, he, Tim Poole talks a lot about censorship on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And apparently there is a name that you cannot even say on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook without immediately being censored. Like you'll immediately get it taken down. Like there's some hard rule that you can't even say this name. And I tried it this morning and it's true. I tried posting this name twice on Facebook and it, it immediately disappeared. It was so for one time it immediately disappeared. The second time it popped up and then disappeared in like five minutes. When I said I had another Facebook account earlier, that was a lie. I'm, of course, using my own Facebook account. I'm definitely not using a different Facebook account that has a different name. Are you actually worried about being like getting in trouble for posting a single name? No, on I Facebook? don't want people to think that I have two Facebook accounts. Oh, I see. That would yes, be a crazy. problem. Yes, that I would see. be insane if That'd somebody were to think that. <laughs> okay, Eric? Yeah, Ciara... Mella, L-L-A. Yeah, now try posting it. Okay. Okay, now, so it popped up. Now give it, give it, a, so I did this twice this morning and one, it's gone. Wowzers. It's gone. It's crazy. Yeah. What is that name? So that's the name of a CIA agent who supposedly was the guy who leaked the Ukraine information to about Trump, about the phone call. He's supposedly the leaker of the phone call. And he's like a Harvard-Yale guy. The whistleblower, guy. right? The whistleblower. Okay. And you cannot post his name on Facebook. Um, interesting. It's why, what, what is Tim Pool's reasoning for that? The dumbest <laughs> man alive. What does he have to say about it? Well, you can, I mean, if you, you go to, you can go to the episode. I know with the time code, it's like 29. I don't want to spend time talking about Joe Rogan stuff. Well, that's pretty fucking crazy that you can't. You're, you're. It's like immediately banned to but, say his even the name. But isn't there, there isn't there a reason? Isn't he suffering from not suffering, but isn't he the subject of intense scrutiny and public vilification? Yeah, who isn't? I mean, give me a break. What's so? You know, I agree. I don't wait, think. Wait, that, why does his name get? Out I agree. Of the I agree, but it's not like it's a mystery why. Yeah, but who's pulling these strings? Who who is deciding this? Who one of our attorneys yeah, yeah. <laughs> is a Jew? Who's deciding that Eric Ciaramella gets a free pass on right. Facebook? Who's who's making I that agree. decision? You know, I mean, it's crazy that we're supposedly. It's just there's so much dark horseshit going on that you know it's terrifying to think, especially about. for this Facebook account. Yeah. Very upsetting. <laughs> Which is mine. <laughs> right. I just don't want 
my account to get disabled because of this. I did notice, though, on Twitter, there does seem to be a, a trending. I think it, Twitter had the same policy, but now I think you're starting to see it pop up since this episode. Mm. And Google doesn't, like, hide it away. Right. Um, yeah, that is creepy. I don't want stuff removed from my Facebook. Yeah, and he, you know, was a, he, like, wanted to remove Trump. He's a... He's a, you know, yeah, CIA operative, basically. Okay, well. There's pictures of him. Pictures of him what? Yeah, there's just pictures of him. So, yeah, probably there's some high-powered person who is doing exactly what you're saying. They're like, oh, this guy's life is about to be ruined right. because he is the whistleblower. We need to protect him. But, okay, why him? You know, like, there's a million whistleblowers who need to be protected. How about Julian Assange? Why are we not protecting him? You know? Yeah. Well, anybody. I mean, there's people yeah, that get yeah. targeted harassment because yeah. they posted something dumb about right. something, and then it goes viral, and then you have the entire world piling on you. Right, but because this guy has the protection of the CIA and the FBI, and he's anti-Trump, therefore he gets, uh, you know, he he is off limits. You can't attack him. So we've been doing, we're back, we've been back for a month, and now it's time to announce the show is ending again. <laughs> kidding of course but we got a lot of nice emails and tweets and facebook messages and somebody called the voicemail line um and i don't want to spend time reading the nice stuff that people have said because we've already done that and that's a little self-indulgent at this point but some people did write in with other responses so i wanted to go through some of those uh jay in virginia wrote in I think Biden is actually a great candidate from the perspective of Trump contrast. This is based on our politics episode we did. Any negative of Biden is basically the same criticism of Trump, and usually Trump is 10 times worse, putting aside actual policy, both old white men. Biden has dementia. Trump has dementia and can barely read. Biden has a sexual assault allegation. Trump has 20. Biden's sons are corrupt. Trump's sons and daughter are corrupt. Isn't one of Biden's sons dead? Does he have other sons that are corrupt? Are you kidding? This is the whole, the, the entire basis of the entire Ukraine thing is about Biden's son. Yeah, but his other, he said in the email, Biden's sons are corrupt. Oh, oh, I see. I see. Right. Okay. Yeah. So no, I was I like, is there another corrupt one. son? Yeah, I don't know. There's another one. Um, what sticks to Biden that doesn't stick to Trump as well? And the unfavorability index really favors Biden by like 30 in one poll, whereas previously it favored Trump by 17 versus Clinton. I think there are thousands of voters who didn't like Clinton and were willing to roll the dice on Trump and will turn to Biden now. Biden reduces the contrast between the two significantly in a way that another candidate candidate wouldn't. Biden's VP pick will be the first significant point of contrast. Uh, okay, so all the bad things about Trump you can say about Biden. That's a good reason to vote for him. I don't really get it. Um, I, I don't know if this person's point was that that's a good reason to vote for them, for him, but it seems to be their position, this person's position, that Biden is the best candidate to go up against Trump for these reasons. Because of all the bad reasons? That doesn't make sense. I guess. Um, I mean, the point that I agree with is I do think, and this was significantly undercounted by Bernie people like myself and others, is that a lot of the reason Clinton didn't, didn't win was anti-Clintonism and not necessarily this hunger for change that's just what Clinton was the problem so Biden doesn't have a lot of these issues yeah and I think the right wing is trying to do some of the Clinton playbook against Biden I just don't think it sticks as well for whatever reason he's more Teflon than Hillary was I just don't think people have seen this dude yet. I, I honestly think that that's it and his interview on CNN or sorry, on MSNBC, whatever, Mika, Mika, whatever her name is. Joe Scarborough. Yeah, yeah, Mika, whoever. Yeah. Uh, she interviewed him on the Tara Reid rape allegations. Right. And he was a disaster. What was I mean, disastrous about it? Oh, you can watch the clip. I mean, it's... He's. She's trying to get In your opinion. I'm asking. She's trying to get him to say, "Why don't you just do a search of these University of Delaware records that where I guess she potentially would have filed a complaint, complaint or something? Uh, why don't you just do a search for her name instead of exposing all of them?" And he has no answer for it, and it's super awkward because mm. he's like clearly trying to protect and not do that. Or maybe he's just clueless. 
Uh, well, he see it's very awkward. It's right. very very awkward, and he's he's just he has clear dementia in the sense where he says things like when he's talking, he's talking, and then there's like words inserted that don't belong there. Mm. You know, and it's Word really, salad. it's really weird. And he's just terrible. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, t- he's so, we're supposed to pretend like, oh, it's just Bo Joe Biden. It's like, no, this man is not all there. It's very obvious. And we're all like pretending, oh, it's just a stutter. It's like, no, well, I don't think, a stutter. I don't well, he think was voting for the Iraq war. He didn't have a stutter, yeah. you know? Well, I don't think everyone's pretending, but yeah, there's I, definitely a strategy that the Democrats are using, which is like, we're going to keep him as underground as possible and maybe it'll work. You know, what do I know? I thought Bernie had it locked, but I'm just not in touch with the democratic base in that way. There's something about Joe Biden that people are confident about winning wise. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting. You know, it's not my ideal race at all. It's just like, ugh. This. It's almost like Clinton v. Trump in the same way. I'm just like, really? This is the end point that we got to. We couldn't do any better. Also, have you seen the videos of Biden like petting the children? Yes. Those are it's it's got personal boundary issues. At I mean minimum. At 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 best. He has personal real personal boundary issues, particularly with underage women children. Have you ever sniffed? Someone's he's like, hair. He's, he's all over them, and they're all kind of like mo- even like these are like little girls, and they are like clearly appalled. Yeah, Grandpa's just sniffing your hair, sweetheart. What's the big yeah, deal? It's very weird. Next emails from Ben, your nemesis from the DA's office, if you remember. He wrote in and said, "Can't believe Isaac and I agree that Elizabeth Warren was probably the best choice for Democratic nominee, or at least that she was the most qualified to hold the office." Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, that's because you're both white college educated losers and <laughs> you can't see that Elizabeth Warren has no political, like real political support. She can't even yeah. lo- like win her home state. That's right. very, well, I, I don't think either of us are arguing with that. I think we're just saying like on paper, she was a great candidate. Yeah. I mean, I like Elizabeth Warren, but as a presidential candidate, it was immediately apparent to me like this isn't going to work. Right. She just doesn't have what you need. That was not apparent to me because yeah. I I don't don't get that she doesn't trigger whatever that is in me. I, but it was admittedly a blind spot because it's like obviously a lot of other people did feel that way, and I just couldn't really see that because I I like her. Yeah. You know. So, but I obviously, yeah, she doesn't have, as you said, she doesn't really have political support. Right. In a real authentic. She's got. Way. I mean, she'll of course she'll have local political support because she's a senator and she won that election. Yeah. But in terms of translating that into something, when you don't win your home state's primary, yeah, like that should have been the solution. signal right. out. And she, you know, that was another political warning sign. She didn't get out after that. It's like, what are you doing? Right. You're it's over. Like you can't make it happen. And you're not going to get yas queened into office, which is the problem with a lot of her supporters. They just going to share videos of her with her stupid dog. And I'm like, nobody cares about this. This yeah. is not going to activate anybody. But then I'm a Bernie supporter and I have the same fucking problem. So who am I to say anything? Dave of Kentucky wrote in and said, uh, I'm torn on the election, not voting for Trump. Biden doesn't seem mentally there. I need a third party candidate to throw away my vote on. Yes to Tulsi for VP so I can masturbate to her for a few years. I am voting for Isaac's mom for, for president. <laughs> oh, thanks. You mean, you mean, uh, Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson. Yes. Yes. Vote, Mar- vote Marianne. <laughs> uh, Dave, you do, if you, I can't remember if Dave actually lives in Kentucky now. He moved at some point. I thought he lives in Georgia now. No, he lives in somewhere down there, so. Your vote does matter. Tennessee. And as I, I want to say, like, I probably won't vote for Biden in California, which is a safe blue state, but I encourage people to vote strategically. Yeah. Um, I'm not voting for Biden. I just can't do it. I will write in Bernie. I'll write, yeah, maybe I'll do the same. I'm going to be one of those assholes. Sorry. Redacted English-speaking country guy. He asked if we would like topic suggestions, and I just want to say yes. We would like topic suggestions. Um, if you have something that you want to talk about, send it in. We can't guarantee that we'll both be interested in doing it, but there might be something. And he wanted more college radio episodes, which I was shocked by. But 
there's plenty of tapes of my college radio show. <laughs> plenty of people who would love to come in and roast me. Um, speaking of topics, uh, live show Brad wrote in and said, just because I've been hearing so much about it, a lot of different takes, which makes varying amounts of sense, I'd be interested in hearing you guys talk about 5G. Yeah, right. Yes. And if it's really going to be a huge change to our lives or not. You mean the cause of coronavirus? Yes, the cause of coronavirus. My theory is that 5G stands for five gay. Yes. And it makes you five, five times, times more, more gay. gay. I wrote that sure. and he didn't respond and I was like, <laughs> that, that definitely bombed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really know that much about 5G. I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, supposedly it's killing the birds, et cetera. It's killing the, killing the bees and the birds. Um, seems like there's got to be some upshot eventually for all this airwave crap, but that just we've never really gotten to the bottom of whether it makes a difference or not. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. I, I don't really I'm just not I mean, I would investigate more about 5G. It just seems like there's so much bullshit out there. I mean, yeah. I know it's it's supposedly it's coming very soon. Supposedly Verizon has already <clears throat> largely began to. Um, my voice is very like construct weird. the coronavirus towers. Yeah, your voice is fine. Okay, I think you're just hearing things, but I don't know enough to even comment, so I would have to look into it. But that's we can put it on the list. And then the uh, as you described her, a woman who was a lawyer from somewhere said, "You guys have literally made my quarantine bearable by coming back. Thank you so much. I've shared your podcast, making fun of all the quarantine podcasts with everyone I know, and I know I've gotten you at least a few more subscribers. This is the best." Listener contact we could get. Yes, share. Yes, that is what I want. I don't need you telling me how great the show is. I need you telling other people. So thank shows, you, yes. lawyer lady from somewhere. Yep. So there you go. Thanks, guys, for thank writing you, in. Thank you, lawyer lady from it. somewhere. Yes. I'm still waiting on those nudes from you. I, uh, I do not approve of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would people like... This is a question for listeners. Would you like it if I set up a Discord server over the forum. I noticed nobody really uses the forum and I'm like, am I just wasting my time by posting stuff there? Is it too like not usable? Do yeah, we have to make I a Facebook I think it was ironic. Group? It was like funnily ironic at first, but maybe now it's time to like actually, yeah, I think a Discord server might be cool. I mean, not that I use Discord. I know I'm familiar with it. I've used yeah. it, but uh, it might well, be cool to have that. That would probably be more fun, like a running yeah, chat. Yeah, that's just there that people yeah. can log into and talk. Would people, as our listener base tech savvy enough to to get discord i mean you can use it on a or browser is a, a facebook group or is a face yeah is a face are we gonna have to do that yeah that seems I, it would be better if everybody was anonymous probably yeah, yeah. so w my vote is for discord server um and i just want to hear from people if they would actually be because i don't want to i don't want to do a forum thing where i set it up and nobody uses it and that forum is very hard to use and i'm not blaming you guys it is a incredibly difficult thing to use yeah but if a Discord server would work and you'd go in there, I would certainly go in. And you can do video chat and screen sharing. Yeah. You can watch stuff together. Why don't you try it? Try a Discord server. Okay. I'm going to work on that. So okay. get ready for Discord server. All right. Server. Let's have an episode here. Enough, yeah. enough housekeeping. Did you, on Eric Weinstein's uh, most recent podcast, it was hilarious, The Portal. Yes. Um, he has a whole thing about housekeeping and how, like, sit, I think people were giving him shit for stealing the word housekeeping at the beginning of a podcast yeah. from Sam Harris. And he was apologizing for stealing. I'm a man. I like yeah, men. Like these fucking nerds. It's like, we're going to say housekeeping. I don't give a fuck who You're started it. not stealing it. it. Yeah. That's that, what that you say. That term has been used a right. million times. Yeah. I mean, we started using it to ironically make fun of Sam Harris. Yeah. That right. was the reason. Right. This is just fucking tiresome. Yeah. Certainly housekeeping. Was. Shut up, both of you fucking IDW creeps. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about this 90s retro thing that we've got going on. You mean 90s content? Yeah, 90s content. Waco and The Last Dance at the yes. same time. We're going to get Charles to talk about a sports documentary. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that going to be fun? Why wouldn't it be fun? Because you're just not a sports guy. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does being a sports guy entail liking sports um i don't follow sports yeah that's all it means but i don't know i i grew up in a very sports centered environment because i grew up in tucson arizona which is the home of the u of a wildcats and in the late 90s they were going to the ncaa championship repeatedly and in 97 they won so it was definitely like you know 
cool to be into the UV Wildcats. <laughs> yeah. I definitely watched all those basketball games at the time. But no, I don't like on a daily basis. I don't give a shit about sports. But I'm not a snob. It's yeah, not like not, I'm like you're not like I don't like. Uh, you don't actively sports are for barbarians. Yeah, we just never. It's not like we've. I don't think we've ever had a conversation about sports. No, the entire. Podcast. No, I don't. Fo- I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> most of the time. But I can go. Like I went to a Clippers game last year. I can yeah. go and see and understand what's happening. But I mean, invested. like the way we talk about movies, I talk with to some people about sports sure. in that way. I mean, I don't. I am a total Charlotte. I have no idea what I'm talking about either. <laughs> but I, you know. I, I, I follow, you follow up more than I. I do. follow it pretty closely. Yeah. I I follow the Rams actually very closely. Okay, well there you go. And I follow. Um, I I tend to follow the playoffs. That's when I really tune in to every league. Like I I don't really watch the NBA during the season, but I will watch during the playoffs, and right. I'll definitely watch the finals it's when the drama is the highest. Yeah, same thing with the baseball. Like I'll watch playoff games or the World Series, but I will never watch a single actual game during the season. No. The football I watch actually season games. Why is that? Because there's so few of them. It's just it's nice. It's like not, I I just care more. I like I care. Football is like fall feeling. Like it's when fall it's, feeling when it's fall and there's football on. There's definitely a, a specific vibe to it. I like the ads a lot. Okay. You know That's I like I like there's profession. a if it, I, it feels good to me to zone out on a Sunday and just watch football and watch the ads yeah. and kind of like. You can yeah. always look and see what's going and then check yeah. out and do something else. I grew up going to Bears games. I mean, I went to a lot of Bears games right. growing up, way more than basketball because it was yeah. impossible to get Jordan tickets. And my yeah, family was, did not have money. So yeah. it was like, you know. Um, but I grew up going to a lot of Bears games and the Bears were just such a frustrating team to be a fan of. So I, when the Rams got good, I got really excited and jumped very solidly <laughs> on that Rams. <laughs> Fair weather <laughs> yeah, fandom. Yeah, totally. Abandoned um, Chicago Bears entirely. Right. So... Last dance. Yes. Four episodes in. What do you think from a non-sports fan's perspective? Well, I mean, again, I was also hyper aware of the Bulls when all that was going on. That was pretty much required knowledge. In the late 90s, the mid to late 90s, I was in high school. So we're super aware of, of the Bulls and Jordan, everything going on. In Arizona, the Suns were like our professional basketball team. So nobody, none of us really gave a shit about it. Um, I mean, as documentary making, it's great. But sports often make the Suns were good they were like okay no the Suns had a few great years kj and lj remember what, that what years were those though those were like the bulls were definitely playing like against kj and lj at some point in there definitely hmm. yeah i don't remember dan marley i don't remember yeah we, anyway. did, we just didn't care about the Suns. Yeah. also they were the phoenix Suns. yeah not the tucson. tucson Suns. not the tucson Suns. I mean, as documentary filmmaking, like sports are built for it's that the because they're high drama. Sports are the best. What I love about The Last Dance is what I love about all this type of stuff, where I get to see behind the scenes interactions and characters and all that stuff that you kind of don't really see just watching a game. Like, I love those moments of people uh, building stuff. Like, I watched a documentary about the band Rush. That's on Netflix. It's called like On the Lighted Stage or Beyond the Lighted Stage. I don't give a fuck about Rush. I never have. <laughs> that documentary is amazing because yeah. it just it talks about how they came together and how their music was formed. And this is the same thing. So for me, like it's exciting to watch the pieces to see it, come together. The pieces yeah. come together. I remember when Rodman came over and everybody's like, "How is he going to fit in?" Yeah. And it was fun to see the background stuff of that. Well, it was so cool to see the evolution of Rodman. Yeah. You know, from kind of clearly an outsider clearly kind of this you know yeah like maverick type of guy to really start leaning into who he really was which yeah. was, was this kind of like strange sexuality you know like he really he became who he was yeah. you know which was really cool well he also you know? he clearly says that jordan supported him yeah like, right he was like jordan was fine with me being who i was yeah and right. that I God, think and that was Barbara helpful. Walters interview where, where a- she's like, what's that hat? Yes. You know, and there, <laughs> there was a great meme where it was like everybody today dresses like yes. Dennis Rodman in 1990s. Well, they're also sitting on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was such a like 90s thing where yeah. Barbara Walters is fascinated by, by somebody. this like weird. Just wearing a yeah. weird hat. Right. Whereas now it would be like if she asked those questions, she would be like racist yeah. or like, you know, you hate queer people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was so cool. It's such a. 
I mean, but to me, I was really very into Jordan. I yeah. mean, my whole life I have been. Yeah. And I kind of forgot it. I'm a man. I like men. <laughs> Love Michael Jordan. I kind of forgot it for a while. Um, I forgot how incredible he was for, for a while just because it hasn't been around. Yeah. But this is just bringing it all back up. And man, when I sit there on Sundays and watch these episodes, I am just completely glued to the screen. Yeah, like, I, I, you can't even... You could like... You know, it's great. There could be a nuclear bomb outside, and I would just not even notice. I'm just so into it. And it's Jordan is such an extraordinary human being, yeah, for so many reasons. And it's just it, somebody like that comes along once every hundreds of years, you know, and and to see it, it live, to see his total mastery. Of every nuance, one of one of the most interesting parts about it recently was the thing he does with the critics, where there's three critics, like three basketball writers who had each predicted he was going to lose in three games, or you know, oh yeah, yeah four yes, games, yes, five yes, games, yes. and six games, whatever it is. Yeah, and it's game seven or yeah. game six or whatever, and he goes up to the guy who says four, and he says, yeah. "I took care of you two nights ago. I took care of you last night, yeah. and I'm going to take care of you tonight." Yep. And it's like. No one is like that now, you know. Like it's not like LeBron is out there reading the fucking sports columns, you know. I mean, no offense to LeBron, but it was like Jordan was smarter than everyone around well, him. Also, he was smarter than Phil. Uh, Phil comes off as kind of a charlatan, like feels like a yeah, you know West like, Coast hippie. Yeah, type. he's like kind of like all right, Phil. But Jordan was way smarter than Phil. He was smarter than everybody. He he was the, actually the puppeteer that was making everything happen. Well, you I know? mean, you're kind of discounting uh, with that last episode. I don't remember which episode was the Phil episode, but the thing about the triangle defense. Triangle offense. Triangle offense, yeah. yeah. See, sports, <laughs> sports guy. Yeah. Triangle offense. Yeah, which um, was cool. You know, that... That was hit, that was Phil that Jackson's was Phil's idea. That's true. That's so true. Yeah. and that made it so that Jordan didn't have to carry the team. And yeah, that they could not rely on him for every single point. Well, right, but the the fact that even Jordan would be open to that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he, his ability to take criticism and not freak out, and just his his intensity in every respect. You know, when they kind of stick well, the camera in his. It's face. not that he doesn't freak out. It's that he takes it yeah. and goes like. I'm going to hold on to this yeah. and use it as fuel. Yeah. That's what I like. And it's that's so what amazing. amused me so much is there's that whole thing about the Pistons and they didn't shake hands and he's still mad about this yeah, fucking handshake. Yeah, he's hand still shake. mad about it. <laughs> I was like, like, fuck them. <laughs> I was like, this is the most relatable Michael Jordan has ever been. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. like, there's definitely shit from 30 years ago that I'm like, fuck that guy. Yeah, no, and he, but he, the amazing thing about Jordan is that he, he converts uses it, it. He something. converts it yeah. every time. Yeah. And he's such a lesson. That's why he's great is because yeah. he converts. He knows he how to convert. He doesn't, he doesn't let it bog him down. He yes. just, he translates it directly into into fuel and he also there's that amazing moment where uh the cameras snoop into the room where it's him and all his bodyguards and yeah. he's like kind of sipping a coffee or whatever he's yeah. sipping and they're in the middle clearly of like a heated political conversation <laughs> he and jordan's like out. jordan's just like we're talking about the president can you just give us a yeah. second here you know well because that was right at the beginning of Lewinsky. yeah thing. exactly january of right. 98 right. so i i remember that time period and, and just yeah. imagining what that group of dudes was was talking about in there and you know he's clearly like holding court like expressing his opinions but it's just like he was he so far above everyone yeah there's also that amazing moment where uh he's arguing with reinsdorf so the real villain in all this is is jerry reinsdorf and reinsdorf is maybe the one guy who's smarter than jordan so reinsdorf was the owner of the bulls right and reinsdorf created this evil fall guy as jerry Krause, right. who's the short little fat guy a perfect fall guy because he's so unpleasant. He's so unpleasant. <laughs> he has the most punchable face in, in that I've seen in some time. Exactly. So Reinsdorf was this, you know, greedy, you know, very... He, he One was, of our attorneys sorry, is Jerry a Jerry Reinsdorf. But, uh, you know, he... Yeah, you know, he was playing his role. He obviously was nowhere near as bad as evil Donald Sterling, who was true evil personified. Yeah. Um, but he was a lot of the reasons for their problems because he was refusing to pay people. He was locking out Scottie Pippen. Yeah. But he made Jerry Krause the fall guy and he directed everybody's anger at this guy, Jerry Krause, whereas Reinsdorf just kind of seems like this sort of aloof dude. 
What a great, um, what a great theory. Because I, well, no, no. So Charles Barkley just went on record saying this exact thing. He was mm. like, Reinsdorf was the fucking problem. Don't blame Kraus. Kraus was just like, you know, doing his bidding. That's funny. And uh, because but, yeah. a lot of reviews of The Last Dance focus on how unfair it is to Jerry Krause. Do you right, think yeah. it is? Oh, in very. terms of the filmmaking? Yeah, because it's it, it doesn't dig into... I mean, Krause is set up as sort of a perfect fall guy. But at the same time, you kind of like, in a weird way, you kind of like Krause. Because you see him dancing, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, he's not... He's yeah. clearly not intimidated by these these giant specimens walking around. Well, like he's I think just he just enjoys, in the mix. yeah, he enjoys being in the mix, yeah. you know, he's but getting brutally made fun of by everyone, yeah. but he's just kind of like, I like being here. It's like, yeah. right, we'll see what happens. Um, now I have a quote from Ken Burns. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, that I was curious to get your take on. Uh, this is an article in Esquire uh, Ken Burns. It's from a Ken Burns interview in the wall street journal. And uh, it says, legendary documentarian Ken Bird said he's not a fan of The Last Dance, mostly because Jordan's production company Jump 23 is involved with the project. I find it the opposite direction of where we need to be going, Bird said. If you were there influencing the very fact of it getting made, it means that certain aspects that you don't necessarily want in aren't going to be in, period. Definitely. Salty Ken Burns is the best Ken Burns. <laughs> just like, Ken, what's your hot take on The Last Dance? Oh, I don't like it. I don't like this at all. It's like, this isn't like a documentary about the CIA. It's about Michael Jordan. I don't think right. we really, oh, we really need to get go darker. Like, well, the, it's interesting because he's saying that, and it, they're only like four episodes in, right. so I don't know what the rest have. I mean, there's. I, I'm enjoying the very subtle mentions of Jordan's gambling addiction yes, because right. we'll they don't you. say anything about it but yeah. there's just scene after scene of him like betting and collecting money yeah, and betting yeah. on other stuff so that's pretty amusing filmmaking to me yeah um but i don't i don't agree i don't think you can make a determination about the thing until it's done but i agree with him that it's like a lot of these sports stocks are made with the NBA or the NFL and Who the team. I, I don't have any problem with that at all. Who gives a but shit? I, I think sometimes you can, that means that you're not going to present all the warts issues. <laughs> I don't it's, know. It's sports. Who cares? It's like, you need to show warts when you're talking about the government, when you're talking about the C, you know, when you're talking about the NBA. Who, I mean, like, I get what he's saying. Yeah. But, you know, this was, ex I feel like tonally, this is perfect. It's dark bowls, but it's not like depressing. You know yeah, what I mean? It's just, it's like, it's kind well, of it's extremely song. well made. Yeah, it's like, well made. I mean, um, the thing that I think is, I mean, so far, the one thing that I think is a little wacky is they talk so much about all this behind the scenes footage that they have. But there hasn't been like that much that's amazing from the behind the scenes stuff. The interviews are a million times more amazing and the analysis that happens. Yeah. But like the stuff that they kept, they said they followed the Bulls the whole year. But the stuff that they have is just like bullshit. Oh, I don't know. There's dude, Rodman, Rodman walking out of the stadium and chugging a beer and well, jumping yeah. on his motorcycle and driving away. But I don't think. Great. That's not like, but that's probably was news footage. That was saying? news yeah, footage yeah, 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 from yeah. Vegas because that wasn't. No, that out, wasn't. I think that was at, right after I'm a game. Pretty, that's. I'm pretty sure that's during his Vegas jaunt. Oh, I thought that that was him literally leaving the stadium with a beer and then like motorcycling. No, away. I think that was while he was in Vegas. Oh, okay. He was out doing that because there was all this extensive coverage of him being out in Las Vegas for a 48 hour period allegedly. Right. So that's what I mean. I'm not seeing anything in this footage they keep talking about. What is it, Kamikaze? Like, Kamikaze. <laughs> That's my kamikaze. You got a kamikaze? And as I, I like somebody sold him on the idea of kamikaze shots, and he just really he loved just those. wanted to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said on Facebook, I was disappointed that nobody is teasing him about his late 90s movies that he made. This was definitely the best Last Dance hot take, is where is mention of Simon Says... And Double Team. And Double Team, right. And Double Team was him in a... Um, let's see. Let's no, just look. it was him and what's his name? Uh, John Claude Van Damme. Yeah, it's him and J J C V D. Van Damme, Rodman, Rourke. <laughs> Double Team is a 1997 American action comedy film. Oh my God! Directed by Suey Hark in his American directorial debut and probably last film. The tagline is "They don't play by the rules." <laughs> they sure don't. They don't play by the rules. Rodman's got his sunglasses on and his neon yellow hair and starring Jean-Claude Van Damme Dennis Rodman and Mickey Rourke Van Damme plays a counter-terrorist agent Jack Quinn who <laughs> I love I love the very American names they give Jack, Van Damme how do they explain his accent who He's knows who is assigned to bring an elusive terrorist known as Stavros to justice things become personal when Stavros kidnaps Quinn's pregnant wife 
after his own lover and child were killed in an assassination attempt that went awry. Aiding Quinn in his rescue is his flamboyant weapons dealer, Yaz, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Aiden Quinn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember watching this. When Jack it Quinn. It's not good. I just love that such a 90s thing is like, oh, people love these professional basketball players. Let's Strong put movies. them in a movie. Oh, is it a movie about basketball? No. Just He's playing a weapons dealer. <laughs> they kind of do that now. Uh, sure, but it, do they? I don't know. Like LeBron, they had in a comedy. It was like the, uh, what's her name? Oh, yeah, right, right. Um, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer yeah. comedy. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but he played, I think he played some comedic role on that. I think they're more like mocking themselves yeah, LeBron now. is just like a fucked up, mutated, distorted, disgusting version of all of this. <laughs> like he's like the fucked up mutant mirror of Last Dance. Like everything about him is just... Like the ugly, shitty, worse version Why of, of this entire era. Who do, who's the better player in your opinion? I think <laughs> I can guess. Not even a question. Again, it's not. It has nothing to do with the better player. That's that's not. That's not a real distinction. There's no such thing as better player. There is. You know, these guys are entertainers. At the end of the day, basketball players are entertainers. Sure, that's their fucking job. Right. Their job is not, they're not warriors. It's not like kill count. You yes. know what I mean? Like that's not their job. Their job is to entertain people. And in the sense of what Jordan was, there will never be anybody like him. I mean, you know, as they say in the, in the thing, it's a short list. You got Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan. That's right. basically it. And you know, the guys like this come around never. And it's so much more about what they stand for. And what Jordan was, was literally... Nietzsche on the basketball court. Like he he is speaking of hot takes. Yeah, he is pure will. You know, like right. there is nothing and that's not what Muhammad Ali was. That's not what uh Babe Ruth were. Each of them stood for something Yeah, they different. had their own different right. thing that they and But Jordan just stands for complete mastery of every single element of this thing. Every element, not just on the court, every single element. The media, he was above it all. Yeah, yeah, and it's just amazing to watch. Do you think that he? Do you think that it matters when he came back for the third time? Well, well it's going to be fun to go through that again because I. That's do you an, think that'll be in there? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean it better be. I hope. Well, I mean they'll probably cover. I maybe maybe they won't go too. Yeah, they, I mean, they move around in time, but I noticed they haven't gone forward in time. They've mainly gone. Yeah. They they stick with the track of the last dance here, and then they go back to cover other stuff, and they come forward. But they haven't gone beyond that. So I'm wondering, and this is a Ken Burns question: If Michael Jordan's like, eh, we don't need to have that stuff. To have that. the wizard part? Yeah. No, they'll definitely go into it. That I mean, Jordan on the Wizards would be a really fascinating subject for a whole different documentary. I agree. Because uh, that's really not been explored that much. I remember that era very well. I remember being very disappointed that yes. my hero was you know, not completely invincible. Right. But obviously, yeah, I mean, you know, he was in his fucking like 40s or yeah. something. You know, I mean, he was really old. And, you know, it's so funny to see Jordan now. You know, he's got these kind of red eyes and he's got a very unpleasant demeanor now. You know, like he seems like an asshole, you know? And well, it's so funny to see that that's where he's, you know, gone, but I love him 10 times more for it. Yeah. I love that he's just like, I'm fuck. you know, I did, I performed, I did what I needed to do, and now this is who I am. You know, I'm, I'm a fucking, I'm a killer. You yeah. know, he's, I'm a killer. This is who I am. Well, he's, you know? he's at the point where he's like, ah, you know, this is what, what I am. And right. I don't need to explain I myself. Explain I, I've given you people everything. Right. And, and I don't need to fucking like be on. Oh, I'm, why aren't you giving more to charity? Jordan's like, fuck you. Yeah. You know, like I don't. I don't need to do any of that stuff. I'm me. You know, you, I don't need your yeah, you guys approval. Made plenty of money. Yeah, I think you, you guys can, are fine. Yeah, everybody's working out well. Um, yeah, I recommend it even for non-sports fans. It's. I mean, it's going to be on Netflix in July, so a lot of people have access to it that might not buy ESPN, but. It's great documentary filmmaking, and it's fun. Like the hour just blows by. Yeah, I'm always shocked at the end. Yeah, you're I'm just like, like oh, and it's it's interesting how it makes you want to watch more of it because it's like you know everything that happened. There's no mysteries that are going to be unfolded in there. It's not like those other 
documentary subjects where it's something you didn't know about. Yeah. It's like the Bulls last season is pretty well known. But totally. It's, it's fun to watch. I enjoyed taking a look at it. Right. Look how hip I am. It's you're, coming yeah, out and I'm in. watching. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. For so rare. next next show to discuss, next piece of content. Nineties retro episode. Waco. Felt very much back in my childhood. So I discovered Waco about two months ago. Uh, just scrolling, I opened Netflix and it popped up and I was like, oh, this is a new show on yeah. Netflix. And it was, you know how Netflix auto plays and you can't stop it and it's the most fucking annoying you thing in the world? You can turn that off. You can? I thought yeah. you can't. You can. Oh, you can turn you have, it off. You have to do it on a browser. Oh. So you go on your Netflix account and there's some setting in your account where you tell it not to auto play. Oh, I thought you couldn't turn it off. Yeah. Okay, so I, it was on and I, uh, I think it's new that you can't turn, that you can, that turn, you it can off. turn it off. It's so fucking annoying. But anyway, it just started playing and it starts with that Michael Shannon dialogue of him with the Ruby Ridge guy. Right. And I was immediately hooked. I was like, oh, wow. You know, most of the shit on Netflix is so awful. And so I was like, okay, this might actually, you know, I love Michael Shannon. Um, and I had remembered Taylor Kitsch. You know, normally a guy that you would think, oh, dismiss. Yeah. But I remember him in True Detective Season 2 actually being surprisingly good. He was on Friday Night Lights. Right, which I never watched. And I think people liked him a lot there. He was supposed to be like the next big thing. Yeah, he was. And they made that John Carter movie, and then that destroyed his leading man career. Yeah, yeah. Just didn't work out. So, um... I started watching it, and this was before the second wave. Right. And immediately. So it's been on that long. It's been on Netflix for that amount Yeah, it's of been a long Because it never show. came up in my suggestions, ever. No. Until it started hitting the like the top 10, and yeah. all these new people got into it. Yeah, no. So uh, it was on Paramount Network two years ago, 2018. Nobody, yeah. obviously, who even knows? Does that even exist anymore? Like, Probably no one not. paid attention. No. And for some reason, they just let this one through. Like for some reason, the you know the the PC horde just it just skated by. You know, like it didn't. No no middle management asshole came here and was like, "This is a completely inappropriate uh, depiction of." What do you, you think know. is not PC about it? Well, I mean, it's very one sided on the side of the branch divisions. Do I you mean, think it is. Oh yeah, I think I it's very one sided. I didn't think it was super one sided. I think that there's. Some, it really puts you in their shoes. It puts you in the shoes of the branch division. It certainly does. You know? And it's you don't usually get that. It's not often that the fundamentalist Christian polygamous perspective gets like that treatment. You know, I mean, usually those guys are viewed as the bad guys. Well, you what's know? a counterexample? What would be an example of that being the opposite? Every other movie well, is like, like what? you like know, what? angry like libertarians are the classic bad guy now. Libertarians are the classic bad guy in what? Everything. That group of people is always like viewed as the bad people. I mean, you know, it's always like the every other movie. I don't know. You know what? What else? I don't know. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Captain America represented the anti-government intervention forces okay. in Civil War. Um, I can't think of any examples right now, but I because I'm just not cycling through any in my head. But um, I I I found that perspective extremely refreshing and. Hold on. Let's before we get too deep into this. Yeah. Um, Describe what Waco is yes. to our. Let's talk about what our listeners. Why don't like, you tell? It, Waco's this incident that happened in 1993, where this group of uh, people who are referred to as a cult, called the Branch Davidians, uh, were subject to a raid by the ATF because they had. Uh, illegally modified weapons or illegally purchased. I don't remember the exact impetus. And they ended up, a number of them got shot by the ATF. They killed a number of ATF agents. There was some uh, disagreement as to how it started. The TV series claims one thing. The government claims something different. Um, And then there was a 51-day-long siege of the compound where they tried to negotiate them out, and then they eventually tried to... The FBI took over management of the siege and uh, eventually it was decided that they just needed to break in there so they inserted tear gas the fbi claims the uh, branch davidians started the fires the branch davidians that are remaining claim that the fires were started because of the tear, tear gas, gas that was inserted which was a repeated problem right so and, uh, and it's very important to understand the context in which this event happened yes. so 
from the mid eighties to roughly, you know, maybe the late nineties right. or maybe I, that maybe that time period is off, but say mid eighties to mid nineties, there was a string of incidences with groups of people that were sort of starting their own societies or like starting their own, they were really defecting from the federal government and they were stocking weapons and they were, had their own, a lot of them were polygamists. There was actually a very left-wing black one in Philadelphia that also got burned down. That's subject to a crazy documentary called uh, something burning, burn yeah, I know, something. I know the incident you're talking Burn, about. baby, burn or something. I don't remember the name. Yeah, yeah, and so it's not just right-wing people. But for the most part, these groups were sort of identified roughly with white supremacy, which you know fundamentalist Christian white people almost always are. And in Ruby Ridge, uh, that was sort of the precursor to Waco. A very similar thing happened where there was this group of sort of like white supremacist gun nut people who were starting their own commune. Were in- they starting a commune? I just thought it was a guy in a cabin with his family. And I think he was, I don't remember if he was buying weapons or something, yeah, but it was a, a similar a situation. Weapons. It was another ATF yeah. problem because they were... It just turned into this standoff for some reason. Yeah, and because then eventually it, right. they ended up shooting his like wife and the, yeah. his daughter. So there's a very very similar scenario in yeah. Ruby Ridge where there's people who were not bothering, literally not bothering anybody, right? But they were living this very sort of untraditional lifestyle. Yeah. But I don't even know if he was living a non-traditional lifestyle. I think he was just out there on his own. Yeah, and he was surrounded by people who were like sympathetic to various white supremacist causes yeah, and he right. might have been one himself i forget yeah i, I forget the exact there's a ruby there's ridge. a good ruby ridge documentary i think that's still on netflix too you yeah can check that out um i think it's just called ruby ridge right so there was ruby ridge and there was a couple other even like kind of instances of this yeah. uh around the same time and uh it culminated in waco and waco was a fucking disaster right. and if you it's such it's impossible. You can't even imagine this happening now. You know, no. you can't even imagine something. Well, I think this because scale. of Waco, the amount of ch- I mean, no spoilers, but you can, spoiler. you can Wikipedia the amount of children who were killed by the government. Yes. Like 20 children murdered by the U.S. government. Imagine that. Yeah. Now, you can't even imagine. it. Yeah. So uh, the thing that wasn't covered in this is that an event happened a few years later that was a direct retaliation for Ruby Ridge and Waco, which was the Oklahoma City bombing. Right. So there's a whole bunch of 90s American history that really gets glossed over. What and do you mean glossed over? By whom? This is like, these are the most important events of American history sure. leading up to 9-11. Right. This, is, this was, what people don't realize is this was the beginning of Trump. This right. was, this, the Trump voters now, the Trump base that everybody talks about, they were formed in the 90s with Waco, Ruby Ridge, this old government overreach. That's where that began. And then everything kind of froze for a while after 9-11. And then now what we're seeing is that movement sort of restarting. And yeah, there's some weird white supremacist elements of it. It's a lot about guns. It's a lot about libertarianism. It's a lot about rights. You know, it's a lot about uh, rights. It's a lot about rights. It's a lot about rights. It's a lot about rights. Lefts. It, it, it's a lot about, uh, you know, this Ups, sort downs of and middles. classic American uh, personal responsibility, leave us alone, big government type of vibe. Well, and, I mean, I wouldn't even say that if, if you look at Waco, that's not like the impetus for the Branch Davidians, but it is the reaction to what happened, right? Like that's what inflamed people. It's not that, you know, the Branch Davidians were practicing like this anti-government behavior specifically. It's that the way the government acted in dealing with them fanned those flames. Right. I mean, they were definitely practicing anti, you know, they were polygamists. Right. right? Well, which is against the law. A very specific type of polygamy where David Koresh, a.k.a. Vernon Howell, was yeah. just banging all the wives of the various men who would come there because right. he needed to take on the burden of, of, of banging sex, them. Which right. is, you got to hand it to him, like pure alpha to convince <laughs> right. all these other men to get cucked. Right. Well, that's what these cults are always, the cults always take on the same pattern, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why society hates cults because cults are a more primitive, they're literally like an alpha male 
with just a bunch of beta males and yeah. then a bunch of women that the alpha male fucks. Yes. Like that's basically what cults are. <laughs> and there's a great, a great line. Of- <laughs> yeah, there's a great line where Michael Shannon's like, start isn't, a it, cult. isn't it funny how all these cults seem to have one guy fucking all the girls, <laughs> fucking a lot of young women. Why do prophets always do that? It's really weird. And it's true. I mean, it's like, that's what, this was a cult. Yeah. And the thing that they, the reason why I'm saying it was kind of on the side of the branch Davidians is why the f- okay, Mister Innocent Branch Davidians? Why the fuck do you have a you know arsenal of automatic weapons stocked up? If you're just these peaceful people, like what the sure. fuck do you have these arsenal? Why do you have all these fucking AR-15s? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of weird. Did you go back and read the history of like what had led up to him taking over as the a the little bit, the a little bit. There's all this weird shit that happened. There was another guy. There was a schism, yeah, right, and they kicked schism, out right. David Koresh yeah. and a bunch of his followers. And then he demanded that David Koresh bring somebody back from the dead. And David Koresh reported it to the police. Right. And then uh, the police were like, "You need to prove that this happened." So they snuck on to the site, and then they got shot at. There's all this bizarre stuff that had happened before that, which would be just as interesting. The modern day equivalent is the Bundys. And the Bundys are viewed by the media as the bad guys right. for sure, right? Whereas I, I don't think the Bundys are bad at all. I'm completely on their side. Like I would be on. I'm pro Al side. Bundy. Yeah, 90s. That's reference. what I mean by the Bundys. <laughs> the Bundys <laughs> married anyway, with children. So, what did you think of the quality of the show? The I, writing, the acting. I thought the acting elevated it. I thought the writing was occasionally pedestrian. Oh, I love the writing. There's this one scene where like. Um, Gary Nessner, who's played by Michael Shannon, is like trying to think of a solution to some problem, and something somebody says offhandedly like makes him suddenly have this uh, realization. This is like bad, you know. We need to have him figure something out. So somebody saying it's it like is like an Independence Day when he says, "Don't get a cold." Yeah, and exactly. Goes, exactly. What did you say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there was moments like You're that. You're a genius, Dad. There was moments like that where I was like, eh, that's a little like shaky. Um, also, trivia note, this was made by the director of the Poughkeepsie tapes. Yep. Which I was uh one of my my all one of my all time favorite horror movies. Very amused by. These guys are gonna be big. I yeah. mean, this is so I, I love the writing. The moment where he goes, How do we say your name? Is it Davis Koresh? Am I saying the writing? He goes, say it like Koresh, yeah. like the death knell yes. of a dying child or whatever he says. Well, how much of that was like, taken? Damn, that was fucking really But how good. much of that was taken from the transcripts? Like, well, probably that, a lot. That's what I'd be curious about is how their conversations and stuff, I'm sure, were recorded. Yeah, right. So, and it's funny because like in the show, they boil down the two, the two opposing forces in the FBI, the negotiation side and the HRT side are just like two characters. But I was reading that they had like 32 negotiators trying to work sure. with them. Sure. So, again, it's it's actually know. a pretty re- – what I like so much about it is it reminds me of kind of a lefty propaganda-y like Selma film. You know what I mean? Like it reminds me of that kind of canonization of like past people sure. type of movie, except it's the other side. And the writing is about 10 times better than one of those. And the acting – I mean, dude, Taylor Kitsch. By yeah. Taylor Kitsch, man, that guy, he, to play that part that way and not make it like the corniest, stupidest role ever, like he completely pulls it off. It's it's interesting because I think a large part of why it feels sympathetic is because he does such a good job. Yeah. And if you watch old David Koresh videos, it's interesting because they are a little bit different um, because Taylor Kitsch's David Koresh is very sincere and actual David Koresh is very arrogant. Like, if you watch his old videos, you're like, this guy's kind of a cunt. Yeah. So it was an interesting choice that way. He really, uh, as an actor, he really bought into, like, I'm going to be this guy, and I'm not going to try to, like, present this in a negative way. No, and he, that's why it's such a fascinating movie. And this is really the function of movies. Yeah. The function of movies is put us in the shoes of these people that we cannot understand at all. Yeah. And make us understand how they're seeing Crash. Because I agree. You look at David Koresh, you're like, what kind of fucking idiot yeah. would believe anything this guy is saying? Right. But, you know, when the way that Taylor Kitsch plays it, you kind of get it. You're like, oh, damn, this guy's like, you know, he's like a good guy. What I love about Waco has a very, like, cliche prestige TV opening where they have, like, the characters silhouetted and, yeah. you know, things are moving around in the background. It's like the country, and Michael Shannon is, song. Yeah. Michael <laughs> Shannon is looking to the right and the hero pose. Yeah. And then they have... Uh, David Koresh, Taylor Kitsch looking to the left, and his mullet is like blowing in the wind. 
<laughs> so on in the way. I watch the credits every time just for that because yeah. I was like, if I die, I want a prestige limited series made about me. So the actor playing me is like, you know, standing heroically or something. I yeah. just wanted that same vibe. Your hair's, yeah, you're looking one way, I'm looking yes. the other way. Yes. <laughs> My mullet blowing in the wind. <laughs> the mullet blowing yeah. in the wind. Dude, uh, yeah, dude, there's a great uh, Portlandia of like the band that makes every one of those stupid prestige <laughs> shows. So like, like, oh, really? It's a country. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, by the way, I tried watching um, your big recommendation, hmm. uh, Reckoning. What is it? Rectified. Re- rectified. It's a great writing. To, yes. to 10 out of How 10. How many episodes writing, did you watch? Like five. Okay. A lot. We tried. We really tried. I can't. The, something about the visuals is it like looks like a soap opera to me. Like the visuals are really bad. Are you? How are you watching it? We're watching it on the fucking. I don't you have know. a weird setting on your TV. Maybe. Do you have motion smoothing yeah, on your I, TV? I know this is a big thing of yours. I think it's off, but I don't. Oh no! It's like I can't get into it because it looks like a shitty like sitcom to me. Like yeah, the way it. There's the something way it's shot. There's something wrong because that's not how it's supposed to look. It doesn't look like that on my TV. It just looks like I, there's something. It's also too, uh, too relationship drama y for me. Like, yeah, I, need, very, I need to get into it's the mystery. It's very slow. It's very not slow. about mystery at all. It's not like, about mystery. It, at all. If you are looking for procedural or reveal, like, how, if the main guy is innocent or not, you're not going to You're find never going to get there. Yeah, it, which it, I kind of need that yeah. to stay interested. Yeah, if you like, if you need, like, murder mystery stuff, Rectify is not the show not for the you. Show for you yeah. I think I, I, I need, I need. 35 yeah. percent at least to keep me interested because it's just to me it's just like i don't these people it's, it's like, all the relationships i don't care yeah it's like family drama yeah, i yeah. i like it because of that reason like i've just been watching too much procedural murder mystery stuff so yeah. i liked it being completely not about that even though it's the basic shell but it's not for everybody i mean there's definitely some really good stuff about it um Anyway. Yeah. So Waco recommend. It's on Netflix. It is the best TV show I've watched in many years, nice. I, in my opinion. I, I think it is pretty much perfect. I mean, it's brutal. The, the last episode is really tough to watch. Yeah. And it's sad. You know, it's it's like it definitely does not. It's not a comforting show. No. That's for sure. I don't agree that it's perfect. I think it's very well made. And I think that it's both sympathetic to... David Koresh and the Branch Davidians, especially the people surrounding him. Those are the most sympathetic characters, and rightly so, I think. Uh, But also to the negotiation side of the FBI, because that's a dynamic uh, that gets played out in our history, too, specifically with 9-11, where uh, interrogation techniques of terrorists were between, oh, we have to torture them to get out the information, or we need to use more friendly um, methods of doing it. And it's that same vibe of, like, punish versus work together with in order to get this better solution. Right, right. So, Wait, another thing we're forgetting is it was in the shadow of Jonestown, which was another one of these right. things. Well, yeah, that definitely informed some of the government response, too. Right. Because they were worried about them committing suicide. Exactly. So they were all like, that. they created a PR nightmare by being worried about the PR nightmare yes. of the mass suicide. Yeah, so, and the Davidians claimed they were never going to commit suicide. Right. It wasn't on the table at all. It wasn't part of their plan. Right, so, right. Yeah, very interesting in both cases. Yeah. 90s, I know the 90s are about to hit their retro moment. These are the harbingers. The 90s have been in their retro moment. But the, I mean, in terms of breaking into the broader culture, like I knew... You know, there was a bunch of stuff that happened, but when the 80s really blew up is this thing people were looking back at was when I saw Drive and the opening credits started and I heard that music and I was like, oh, we're about to enter everybody being into the 80s suddenly. Yeah. This is the thing for the 90s. We're about to see this in full bloom because they were 30 years ago. So It's an interesting prediction. Yes, you will see. I mean, it's not, these things are cyclical. They always work this way, but we will definitely have big 90s nostalgia over the next few years. Let me just say that I, the moment I watched the first two episodes of Waco, I texted everybody I knew immediately. Yeah. And it was so vindicating to see two months later, I turned it on. It was like top 10. Waco. Yeah. I you was called like, that one. And yes. You were ahead of the curve. And, and uh, it's so encouraging. It's just like, it does feel like, we've said this before and it continues to not really break through, but it feels like the wheels are going in the right direction in terms of movies again to me a little bit, you know, because it's like everything's so fucked up and I don't know. Anyway, 
This is a stupid point. Yeah. Let's just stop talking. <laughs> okay. Um, write us about the Discord. Do you guys want Discord? Keep emailing us, etc. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You want a daddy to take your panties off? That's right. If you want a daddy to take your panties off, you can contact us in a variety of ways. You can email us at notahugefanpodcast at gmail.com. You can join our forum, which is nahf.boards.net. Make a username and you'll get sometimes interesting posts there. It's deliciously early internet. Yes, it's really horrible forum. Yeah. You can call us on our voicemail line, which is 213-262-9544. And as always, please rate and subscribe to us on your preferred platform. Or if your preferred podcast platform doesn't have ratings, rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's the best one to do it at. Yeah. Uh, You can find me at IsaacSimpson.com. My email is on there. It's my copywriting portfolio site. Um, Although there is mention of the podcast on there as well. Um, And... Uh, I've got a new project that I'd love for you to check out, which is called collabgenerator.com, C-O-L-L-A-B generator.com. Um, it's sort of a art project that makes fun of the lack of creativity in the branding industries uh, or the marketing industries. So um, to give that a check out. And uh, yeah, you can find my email on um, my website if you want to email me personally. You can follow me on Twitter, on my dog shit Twitter account, which is at Funzeroni. And all my social media is at Funzeroni when I reactivate it. I think Instagram is currently down, but it might go back up again. And uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. Bye. Uh-